On this episode of Survival Dispatch News, we're going to talk about the 10 skills for urban survival you need to start practicing right now. This Survival Dispatch video is brought to you by Nutrient Survival. Nourish your body, power your mind. Guys, I don't know about you, but I am excited to get to see everybody's top 10 list today. But before we do that, make sure you do us a favor help suppression, get down in the comment section, let us know what your top 10 list is. While you're there, make sure you smash that like button, hit the subscribe and the bell icon right next to it to get notified every time we upload new content here on Survival Dispatch. Now, without further ado, let's get to the man whose name's on the building, Chris Heaven's list for the top 10 skills for urban survival. Uh, in no particular order. Um, number one, uh, marksmanship both a pistol and rifle. So, and you could probably throw, you know, long bows and, uh, you know, crossbows and stuff in that as well. Uh, take some courses, practice, practice, practice sort of thing. Uh, number two, having a plan to defend your home, uh, whether it's prior to a home invasion or during a home invasion. Uh, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Uh, so, so a plan that you have with your family, uh, for example, one house that we had that was a split floor plan, the rule was everybody goes to the restroom that's on the other side so that if I have to pull the trigger, I know not to shoot in that general vicinity sort of thing. Uh, navigation. Uh, so having paper maps, a compass, marking important stuff on that map. So places where you could get resources and and preferably unconventional places uh, where you could get resources. So we're still in Puget Sound, uh, Washington State. There's a ginormous industrial park, a uh, five minute drive that way, maybe a 20 minute walk that has distribution centers from every major retailer in the country. Uh, so they may not have fresh food, for example, but you know, an Amazon warehouse would have lots of other food available. Um, there's targets over there, you know, they got tons of Bud Light for those people, um, <laughs> Trader Joe's, so on and so on. He went there. Extra wide crotch swimsuits. Yes. Well yeah, yeah. Those two. Yeah. And, you're and you're damn skippy. I went there. <laughs> um, so, uh, that's the navigation piece. Next one, uh, field medical skills. Mm -hmm. So, you know, take some courses, take some workshops, get certified. Um, in a perfect world, everybody in your family, everybody in your survival group should have like a bare minimum of uh, field medical skills. Uh, next one, gray man principles, you know, study and practice them. So, you know, learn how to blend in or disappear wherever you are. Uh, learn how to move undetected. Uh, big one for Mike, he's mentioned multiple times. Uh, learn how to move from one point to another where you have some cover or at the very least some concealment, um, you know, practice that look up, not just horizontally. Again, that comes from Mike previously, uh, basic survival. So things like starting a fire, uh, practice multiple different ways, uh, purifying water, which is, you know, very complex, you know, there's purification, there's filtration, and then there's a gazillion different things that, you know, you may have to remove to make it, you know, potable water, uh, building shelters, temporary shelters, or even, you know, something more substantial. So, you know, in Georgia, there's a guy named Casey, uh, Georgia Bushcraft, 
is the name of his business. He holds multiple large events through the year, but he's constantly got ongoing workshops on this stuff. And it's really high quality training. Um, then the guys from SE Knives, just north of you, Mike, um, trying to remember the name of their operation, but it, it's not SE Knives, it's their partnership. But they have they have a ton of really good uh, workshops that you can take as well. Uh, the next one kind of goes hand in hands with the maps and navigation, and that would be uh, scavenging. And so I also threw hunting in there as well. Uh, you know, note where those resources are in close proximity, lay out the safest uh, path with contingencies and, you know, learn some hunting and dressing skills with caveat that if we get into a major disaster, there won't be anything that the, the landscape will be stripped of edible animals. Mike? But that qualifies as hunting and gathering. Have we regressed <laughs> to hunter gatherers? <laughs> if 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 the shit really hits the fan, I guess so. Right. Um, the next one I had on my list was surveillance techniques. Uh, so situational awareness super important. So learn how to gather information on your immediate surroundings. You know, in a low profile manner. So. If you still have electricity at your disposal and you have a drone, like they're super cheap these days. We've got one, I think retail was about 300 bucks. Um, it'll go to 9,800 feet if you choose to take it there. So you can, you can get them up high enough uh, that they're not going to be really obvious that you're trying to gather intel on the area. Um, next one would be evac options. Typically the last choice uh, for most people but have a destination or destinations defined, uh, put together multiple routes, and then go practice your evac plan. Just like Jason Sawyer did with his friends and family a few months ago, where uh, they took very minimal amount of supplies with them in backpacks. They camped overnight, uh, 14 miles from home, and then they walked home the next day. And while they were walking home, they had simulations to say, okay, uh, you, you, and you are bleeding out from a gunshot wound, and the other three, you now have 60 seconds to properly apply a tourniquet. And and some of the people didn't make that 60 seconds, even though, you know, these are accomplished individuals. It's just when you're on the clock, it's a little different. But they did that with a bunch of their kids, 9, 10 years old. Um, you know, so it was a proof of concept that was, was successful. Uh, communications. So, you know, having uh, ham radios and Faraday bags is probably the cheapest way to go um, because you can access, you know, FM radio, communications, NOAA, so you can get weather updates, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm like the anti, you know, regulation guy, uh, but the it's worthwhile taking the technician's course because of what you'll learn during the process, personally don't think that you should have to pay the government for a license to use that, but so be it. Um, and then some honorable mentions. Um, and just for, you know, the person who had no sense of humor last time around and thought that, uh, you know, I was contradicting myself by saying a deuce and a half was, was important when everything I said was to, uh, you know, uh, be low profile. That was a joke. Funny. Ha ha. Right over that person's head. Um, so honorable mentions quickly. Um, think about getting professional canine training uh, with your dog or dogs and, you know, convert them from being, you know, your fur babies to actually part of the team. Um, 
And so this next one, not going to say a whole lot on it, but, you know, the number one prep, we don't preach it, is to improve your fitness and conditioning level. It's a personal decision. That's why we don't preach it. But the fact of the matter is, is that the vast majority of people who will expire during or shortly thereafter an SHTF and like an apocalyptic event, uh, that'll be the reason they don't make it. Um, so again, that's a, that's a personal decision, but you know, you get 40% of Americans are considered obese. 32% of Americans are considered overweight, throwing children in that mix who can't travel long distances. You probably get 80% of our population could not travel any significant distance either by foot or on a, you know, manual bicycle, even sort of thing. So I'll get off that topic, uh, learn how to barter and negotiate, um, you know, some people like salespeople are better at this than than others, uh, but it's a valuable skill that you're probably going to need because you can't store everything and expect that you'll have everything, you know, as far as amenities are concerned in this type of situation. Uh, learn how to pick locks, get a lock picking kit. It's not that hard. Practice, practice, practice like everything else. And the final one is take a course on active shooter training. There's some really good workshops out there. Clearly, the in-person ones are better than the online ones. But if time dictates, you can't get to in-person, at least online. You know, no knowledge is bad knowledge. Um, you know, and there's lots of resources online that are free that you could study, but really taking a course from a professional. Um, every time I've done a workshop like that and I've gone into it not knowing what to expect, I've come out of it and thought, holy crap, like, this was an amazing workshop. Whoever's teaching it, what an amazing skill set and you know brain power they've got. So that's it for my list and honorable mentions. That's an impressive list, uh, to say the least. Uh, Mike, did you have something you wanted to add? Okay, you were disagreeing with me that it was a good list. So I'm I'm curious. You you had mentioned uh, you know scavenging, and this obviously comes with a, a little bit of a legal disclaimer here, right? Because we're not talking about looting. We're not talking about going out and getting big screen TVs. When do you think the differentiation between looting and scavenging comes up? Because I think that's a big issue that I think we have in the preparedness community that we haven't maybe talked about enough. Yeah, when the rule of law goes out the window, mm -hmm. you know. So if you know it's complete anarchy. There are no first responders of any type at that point in time. It's every man for himself. All right, in that's fair. Yeah. So, are there um, are there some laws up? Uh, I, I seem to remember that, like up in Canada and and um, very remote regions, there are some laws that actually will protect people from like breaking into remote cabins and stuff like that. Um, and you guys definitely, you know, in the comments or wherever, definitely point out if I'm wrong here, but I seem to remember that there's some laws out there that actually will protect you. If you're, if you're in a survival situation, you're in the process of dying or something and, and you find shelter and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a remote cabin or a remote house, something out there, and there's nobody home or anything that you can break into there. And, and, you know, it's like, okay, look, I'll pay for the damages afterward, but I got to be alive to be able to do that. I think there's something out there like that, uh, and I'm sure somebody's going to throw something out there at me, but, you know, hey, I hope so. You want me to ask W? Please do. He looks like he's ready to respond. Yeah. Junior? <laughs> I think I think the most important thing here is obviously to know your local laws and ordinances. That's the most important thing. So you're going to have to do that research yourself because as much as I would like to love 
and know all of the laws for all 50 states plus Canada and all the surrounding areas, I simply don't have enough time in the day to do that. So that's your responsibility. Make sure you do that and don't do anything that would, uh, you know, land you in the clink. That's the only legal advice I'm going to give you. If you're a lawyer and you're here to give legal advice, raise your hand. Yeah, if you're not dead. <laughs> exactly. I think that's exactly. that's the key. It's like when there is no rule of law, there are no laws to abide by. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is a survival situation. I'm sure there are some just like self-defense laws, right? Um, if there are, There's... you know, pure survival laws, right, that are on the books, okay. You can laws of morality. That. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. No, it sounds good. I just thought that would be interesting good to question. talk about. It, as a general rule of thumb, uh, the courts always view life as taking precedence over, you know, possessions, property. So if it's, I again, I'm not a lawyer either, but if it's the difference between life and death to utilize those resources, I, well, I kind of want to hope that we live in a society where that would be forgiven. For sure. I would hope so too. I would hope so too. Uh, of course, we've got our favorite Army Ranger here uh, today, Eric. Uh, thank you for coming oh. back and joining us again from Nutrient Survival. Uh, give us your list. I'm interested to hear what an Army Ranger has to say about oh, survival. A smart yeah. Army Ranger, not, yeah, not smart. A I liked Chris's list. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. I liked Chris's list a lot, and I'll try not to be redundant here. But I think you know you, you hit it up top that there's three things in survival situations. One is you've got to have the right mindset. And that takes rehearsals and practice in your in your head and you know mental toughness. Uh, last time we got together as a, as a team here, we talked about you know the tool set, the gear that was kind of fun, and we we took it in a couple other places too. It was about planning and other things that came up in the course of that discussion. But today, you know, clearly it's about skill set. So mindset, tool set, skill set, those three things can get you through. Uh, they've got to be you know balanced, right? Uh, like a like a stool, and I kind of thought about the the situation in terms of urban as I'm not worried really about bushcraft. Now, Chris talked about some bushcraft skills. I think they will come in nice and handy if you have those, but really we're talking kind of urban and a little bit of a different situation, not operating in the wild. So for me, I think the first thing in, in my view is uh, the safest place for me in an urban SHTF situation is my, my home and I want to get home. So top of my list is navigation. And, you know, the number of times that I popped out of a subway in New York City and, and tried to figure out which way was Broadway and which way was, you know, third. And, it, you know, you need to have good navigation skills. You guys talked a lot about maps. I think that's important. But also look what's happening right now in New York, right, with the, with the skies being orange. You may not have the sun to help you. And even if the sun is out, when you're inside, you know, in a city with all these skyscrapers, it's very difficult to have that orientation and those those appropriate landmarks, especially if it's a foreign uh, uh, situation for you. So I would definitely want to make sure you understand. And like Chris was talking about, have your landmarks figured out on that map. That's the that's an important piece of it. But how to read a map, how to use a compass to to orient you. You know, even just a little watch compass, a little bubble compass, something like that, and be able to get back, you know, home. <clears throat> Second one for me is water collection. Coffee. Yeah, go ahead. Number yeah, two thank coffee. You. We, we've been there. Mike was giving me grief about it, but anyway, it's, it's good stuff. Keeps um, us out of jail, man. Yeah, water collection. Water collection. I think this is an important one. 
because power is likely going to be out. You're not going to have wells that are pumping uh, uh, utilities that are working the way they should. So you'll be looking for water sources, whether it's running water or still water. You need to know how to how to filter the water if it's dirty, uh, and and that's probably you know the least of your concerns. I would say sanitation is is probably the the, the biggest one. So you don't take in bugs that are going to make you sick, give you dysentery, screaming 180s, as I like to say. So make sure you know how to collect water. Uh, and distill it, filter it, sanitize it. If that's the situation, if you're next to the sea, you know, knowing how to uh, distill seawater into fresh water, there's a lot of really cool little techniques out there. I'm not going to go through my survival book and you know, uh, teach you that right now, but know that skill. I would say the third one, and Chris hit on this too, uh, with home defense a little bit, but home fortification. So how to barricade your doors, both inward pushing doors and, and outward pushing doors. Uh, the, the most common place for break-ins is the front door. And then after that, it's, you know, the, the and Chris, you know this, right? Mike, you know this. Uh, it's it's windows that are on the base level of, of a home. So you've got to, you know, think about those first and make sure that those are uh, well fortified. Do it with defensive measures, lights, cameras, things that will, will keep people pushed away. Um, simple things that are preventative in terms of, deadbolts and bars or things that need to be implemented uh, in a situation where you don't have those in place, like wedging and, you know, blocking doors, right? Some very simple techniques that are out there, and but just be familiar with them. And I'm sure you'll get very, uh, very creative with how to fortify your home if that happens. Home defense, you know, what's in the bed stand next to you, uh, you know, your firearms, your ammo caches, um, so be thinking about that, you know, and run through the drills. I can't tell you how many times I've had something go bang in the night and my wife looks at me and I look at her and, you know, what do I do? I pop into action, grab my gear and start to combat clear to whatever degree, just to make extra sure, you know, everything's safe. So I have those basic skills in place as well. I would say at some point, and if your home becomes untenable, you need to know how to escape you need to know how to exit the home in the cover of darkness without turning the lights on. You know, you know, everybody in the home have that piece of it uh, down. Have the plan down. Practice that. Know where your rally points are once you get out of the house. All that good stuff. Evasion through camouflage, concealment, undetected movement. That's another skill. Um, uh, Chris talked a little bit about field med skills, and so I put on on the top of the list there. Stop the bleed. Just basic stuff. Pressure points, tourniquets, etc. Uh, gunshot wounds, probably a little bit more involved, you know, how to plug it, uh, how to patch it, suture, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, how to use makeshift materials if you need to in a, in a suture situation, even super glue, you know, that's a very common one and I've used it on small uh, abrasions, things like that, probably not the best thing for a gunshot wound. Um, I would say my next one, and I'm on number um, uh, nine, I believe, is mobility. And, you know, this is one I have not practice i haven't trained on but it is how to hot wire a car how to how to start a, a car uh you know one of the techniques as i understand it again you're going to destroy a car if you try this so you can't really practice this to, to you know to, to my knowledge any real way to do that but take a you know flathead screwdriver and you jam it down the ignition and it should crank now this is pre-90s so find an old car this gets back to the scavenging piece all the new stuff, you're you're out of luck. Definitely going to be out of luck. But the older cars, pre ninety, as I understand it, you know, you may have to <laughs> try try your hand at. There you go. Shove that screwdriver down, and it should turn 
you know, you're going to destroy the, the ignition switch, of course. And, and beyond that, um, hot wiring a car. Now, we always watch the movies and like, oh, that's really cool. You know, this guy jumps in a car and cranks it up, you know, uh, Terminator. It's very simple. It's very simple. And the EOD guy probably knows uh, how to make sure that you connect the right wires to which wires and get that thing going. There's actually a couple of really good schools specifically for this that, um, you know, I need to check them out and find out exactly where they are. But we, we've we actually recommended a couple of these schools to some of our clients before they go overseas for, you know, uh, it's like, hey, look, when it's time to go, go. it's time to go, kids. Well, th think, <laughs> think about overseas, too. These are great skills. Typically, you know, you're probably going to have older, less sophisticated car models floating around in the streets you know, of, of some of these countries, right. That aren't as sophisticated with theft protection, et cetera, et cetera. I would think, you know, all the chips that we have today in our modern uh, uh, automobiles, but anyway, mobility, that's kind of a good one. Even if you just need to brush up and take a course or, or, you know, get educated on how to do that, which wires connect. It's very simple. Um, and then I would say the last one that I'll touch on is just self-defense, close course combat, you know, how to, how to grapple, how to take somebody down, how to, you know, sorry, choke them out. Um, little things like that that can help you get through if that type of encounter happens and your life depends on it. So there you go. Good awesome. List. Really good list. I hadn't even thought about the mobility aspect. That's a really cool thing to, to think of, especially if you're in, you know, a really urban area and there may be some vehicles that are still usable. That could be really something that helps you get out if you need to. So really cool list. All right. So we're going to save Mike for last. I've heard he has a, a more unorthodox list. So I'm going to go with mine next here. So uh, the first one that I went with, and unlike other Chris, I actually did mine in order. I really thought about this quite a bit. Uh, street smarts and situational awareness. I think this is something that is going to keep you alive nine times out of 10. And if you live in a city or an urban environment, it should be something that you're building right now. And it's something that you just keep working on knowing where the good and bad parts of town are. Because when things go south, they're just going to get worse. Uh, that much is pretty much assured. Uh, know where water is. And I, I saw in a lot of comments on our previous video, people were referring to a seal cock key. Great thing to have in your kit. Uh, but understand that that water is not going to be pure and you're going to need to take care of that. So water treatment, a whole separate discussion. Uh, but then just listening to your gut. If you look down a street and it looks like you get this feeling like, man, I really shouldn't go down there. Don't do it. Listen to your gut, trust your instincts and just develop that situational awareness in that urban environment. Because, you know, like we were talking about earlier, there are more areas of attack, you know, looking up, looking, it's not all just here on the horizon. There are threats from all directions. And that's even more so in an area that has a lot of tall buildings. Number two, mental toughness. Uh, when you feel like you want to quit, try and keep going. I think that in a survival situation, the more mentally tough people out there are going to be able to handle that better. And that is a skill that you can develop. It's not something you're necessarily born with, but you can work on it yourself. So if you're, you know, you're out working in the yard or you're doing some work around the home and you just feel tired and you feel like you want to quit, try going another five minutes and just keep pushing yourself to develop that mental toughness a little bit so that you can, in a more dire situation, be ready to go and be able to push through whatever is coming at you. Number three, gardening. Uh, in a, you know, a really bad survival situation where you're going to have to live on you know, what you can grow, 
being able to do that may be the difference between life and death. And this is something you are going to have to practice quite a bit. It is not something that you can just be like, oh, I've got seeds, I've got dirt, I'll throw them in and I'll have tomatoes in a week. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and there's a lot of trial and error, a lot of things you need to learn. And now is the best time to do it because the grocery stores are still full, at least as of the date of recording this video. Uh, you can still go buy stuff. So if your garden fails, you're not going to starve. Uh, so working on stuff like container gardening, uh, you know, rooftop gardens, if your apartment complex or building manager will let you do something cool like that, obviously don't do anything without permission. That'll get you in trouble. Uh, and then things like windowsill planters or things like that. You can start doing like uh, sprouts uh, in your home right now without anybody's permission. Easy thing to do and can get you through uh, in case of an emergency, if you do end up running out of food out of your stockpiles, something that you really want to do now so that when it matters, uh, you're ready to go. Uh, number four, food preservation. Uh, this is something that, you know, is some, my grandparents were really into it. My parents are into it and it's really started to become lost on my generation. Uh, it definitely is another thing that takes skill to make sure that you're not canning botulism. Uh, that seems like a good thing to try and avoid. Uh, so practicing that now and understanding how to can and having those skills ready to go, a great way to do it. Of course, there's other food preservation. You've got dehydration, you've got, uh, you know, salting, things like that. These are skills you need to learn now. And you can do this rather easily. Go to your clearance section at your local, you know, grocery store and pick up some, you know, some pickles or excuse me, some cucumbers that are on sale. Try and pickle them. See what happens. Find a like farmer's market. I, you were right. I was my next point. Go check out your local farmer's market and help your local farmers to support local business. A great way to do it. Buy up all their tomatoes and try canning some tomato sauce or whatever it is that you like. Uh, just make sure you're canning stuff that you like and you'll actually eat. Uh, that's another uh, important aspect, but lots of great ways to do that now without, you know, risking the potential of, you know, death uh, by starvation or botulism, both of which are not fun. Uh, number five is going to be, uh, and, and Eric hit on this, close combat skills, uh, specifically hand-to-hand -hand combat. A lot of people don't know how to fight on the ground, and they get on the ground and they're just like, okay, I don't, what do I do? Uh, you know, it's like, I thought we we're just going to have a, a stand-up fight. We're just going to, you know, trade hands and stuff like that. It doesn't work like that in real life. When you see people fighting in the street, inevitably, for the most part, it always ends up on the ground if they're going hand-to-hand. Or just remember back in school, right? If that was a thing, uh, you know, back in the day, I remember we had, you know, fisticuffs at school and the, eventually they got a hold of each other and they threw each other around. If you don't know how to handle yourself in that situation, it's pretty much over at that point. You're completely helpless. So at least having some basic understanding of ground fighting techniques, whether it be wrestling, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, judo. Uh, I did hapkido in, in college where we did some ground fighting in there. Uh, and so that will at least give you some idea of how to at least get away from that situation. If you find yourself in that uh, and you are, you know, surprised and maybe somebody takes you down, at least you have an idea how to get out and maybe run away and, you know, live to fight another day. Uh, we've touched on this before, bartering. Number six, learning how to talk to people and negotiate, being someone who can just shoot the breeze with somebody else and develop that rapport with them. I understand that this can be an uncomfortable thing to do for some people. I know a lot of people who are introverts who don't like putting themselves out there and, and getting involved in conversation. But 
it can be something as, as simple just to kind of break the ice. Oh, what, uh, excuse me, sir, could you tell me what the time is today? Just to kind of inoculate yourself to speaking to other people. And, you know, you don't have to strike a, start up a conversation. Oh, so are you willing to, to trade your pocket watch there? I mean, that would be weird, let's be honest. But just learning how to talk to people and how to hold, handle yourself and, you know, things to start conversations, a great way to do it. And that can lead into bartering later so that, you know, you know how to handle yourself. You don't look like an easy target for somebody who maybe, you know, has a lot better, uh, you know, people skills and maybe you get taken for a ride. And that's the last thing you want. Uh, number seven, uh, and I'm kind of thinking about, again, like what Eric was talking about, like in a city situation, something like that, having some handyman skills knowing how to repair things, how to repurpose things. This was huge back in the Great Depression. Uh, you know, my grandparents saved everything. And I know because we cleaned out their house after they passed away and it was quite a job. There were several dumpsters involved. Uh, but being able to repurpose things, reuse them more than once, uh, you know, if that tinfoil is still good, you might be able to use it a second time. Uh, and our grandparents knew how to do that, to say the least. But being able to fix things is a great skill to have that you can learn now. Uh, just getting some basic tools, some screwdrivers, some wrenches, things like that, great tools to have around the home, but also good for being able to fix things and not having to rely on, oh, well, I'll just go buy another one. Because if things go down, there ain't going to be a place for you to buy another one. Or if you do, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg or some of your preps that uh, you may not want to have to give up. So being able to repair things or repurpose them, a great skill to have. Of course, we touched on this marksmanship. Uh, as always, guys, if you need ammo, make sure you check me out at ammo.com. We'd really appreciate that uh, for practicing those marksmanship skills, but being able to handle that weapon, rifle and pistol, shotgun, whatever it is that you want to use, uh, being able to understand that, ma that manual of arms, excuse me, and how to clear malfunctions, things like that, incredibly important in a survival situation. Uh, then we've got first aid. We've touched on this a little bit. Uh, it's great to have a first aid kit, but if you don't know what's in it or how to use it, uh, it's pretty much just a weight on your belt at that point. So know how to fix that because that could be the difference between you surviving or one of your loved ones surviving. Uh, you know, being able to, like you said, stop a bleed, uh, Eric, uh, how to apply a tourniquet, like what Chris was talking about with the, the, the skills challenge, basically, that, uh, that Jason was going through. So really important skills just to learn how to do that and practice as much as you can. And then the last one on my list, uh, and I kind of hemmed and hawed over this one, adaptability, uh, being able to make decisive decisions and doing it in a relatively quick time frame. I know a lot of people get stuck by analysis paralysis. They want to look at all different options and, you know, think, oh, well, let's see how things work out. In a disaster situation, you may not be afforded that luxury. And not making a decision and standing there still is a decision. And, you know, inaction is probably the worst action you can take. Uh, you know, making that call quickly, let's fix that. You know, making that call, being able to quickly analyze the situation, say, okay, we need to go here, or we need to go here, or we need to avoid this spot because it's dangerous. Let's go the other way. Incredibly important for being able to survive in an urban situation where there could be a lot of things going on all at the same time. So having that adaptability, not being so set in stone, like, okay, this is the bug out plan, but there's, you know, 500 people with guns in our way. Well, but this is the bug out plan. So this is the way we're going to go. You 
That's not a good way to survive, guys. You have to be able to adapt and overcome and go a different direction if your main course is not available. So that was my top 10 list. Uh, wanted to go ahead and pass it off to Mike, Mr. Cleanup. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely astounded. Either, either you guys have been an influence on me or I've been an influence on you guys or either that or we're all just talking about the same thing because <laughs> guess what? You're not going to see anything absolutely crazy here. So, uh, yeah, right. Um, so over at Crisis Application Group, we used to have our skill sets broken down into seven primary uh, functional skill sets. We would have communications. We would have uh, we had marksmanship. We changed that over to security at a certain point. We had austere medical and we had survival. And then uh, later on, there was a lot of things that, you know, were just going beyond that. So we added on engineering skills, homesteading skills, which is nothing but survival moved from the survive to thrive point um and then last leadership and operations okay so uh i'm going to start under communications uh so first tactical communications just our basic tacom course that we used to run was basic radio communications and radio security knowing when to just not push the stupid button stay off the radio you know, you should spend 99.99% of your time listening. Uh, like my like my father used to tell me, you got two eyes and two ears and only one mouth. You should spend 80% of your time listening and looking and shutting up. I didn't know we were brothers. Jeez. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's possible with my dad. I don't know. <laughs> so under security and marksmanship, basic pistol and carbine skills basic know how to run them both period um now in every group you're gonna have those that say i want to be a leaf eater i don't like guns i don't want to handle a gun anything like that you know what fine don't if you want to be a leaf eater be a leaf eater if you want to be a meat eater be a meat eater but the one thing that i always told people like that was you got to fill that you got to fill that hole with other skills okay you got to make yourself very very useful all right uh, next austere med, and I've got two under austere med with this, not just your TCCC and TECC skills, right? Your tactical emergency combat casualty skills, or also what a lot of people would throw down as, as basically the advanced stop the bleed, but we're not necessarily going to have a hospital to hand these people over to, right? Everybody doesn't have a nurse practitioner laying around. Everybody doesn't have a physician's assistant to hand them over to, right? So the next thing that we also really tried to push was prolonged care mm -hmm. training. And it's a sucky class. We've got an RN that teaches us teaches it to us and it's like three weekends long and it's you're just gouging at your eye with some of this stuff. But because it's not just for trauma, all right? It's also basic nursing is what it comes down to. All right. And the the goal being with that whole thing was that we had very few, we would have very few people working specifically in the hospital scenario and they would need assistance. So everybody would rotate through in that capacity to be, uh, I hate to say it, but your candy stripers, right? I don't look good in the, I don't look good in that outfit, but you know, they had me come back anyway. So, uh, you know, Mike on that one, just think, think about, uh, you know, we all focus on, 
the blood, you know, stop the bleed, plugging it, you know, whatever pressure, stopping it, right? Immediate first first aid. But the number of folks that probably you know are incapacitated or die from infection, you know, that that could really, if you don't take care of you know, the post piece of it and keep things right. clean, just the basic stuff. And, you know, last time we got together, I know, Chris, I think you were talking about having uh, just tons of, of med supplies and, and gauze and how much it takes to properly take care of a, you know, of a major injury, major um, laceration or whatnot. So it's super important, right? And you don't even think about it. I don't think about it a lot because it's like kind of the boring stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, it sucks. I'm here to tell you it's, it is a, it is a painful class a series of classes to go through but it's necessary because it's not that it's not that first hour it's not that that platinum five minutes it's the next 100 hours that are going to see whether that person is going to die or not and you have to somebody's going to have to make that decision okay we saved this person but this person is so screwed up are we going to be able to save them with the assets that we have, or are we going to expend a huge quantity of assets in a very austere situation for somebody that we're not going to be able to save? And that is a sucky decision to have to make. It's triage. triage. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next, uh, water treatment and storage. Man, we're all we're all there. You know, you know what a water nerd I am, man. I mean. Uh, yeah, I, if 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 you don't have if if you don't have clean water, that's it. So if you look if you look historically, and Eric, you can definitely bear me out on this one from from your days at West Point. If you look historically at wars across the board, the vast majority of people that die, not just soldiers but civilians as well, die. And we're talking what is it like eighty eight percent something like that die of either starvation. Uh, infection or dirty water. Very few yeah. people actually die from actual combat yeah. injuries. Non-combat casualties, right? Yeah, it's almost all non-combat casualties. And when you when you start looking at a, you don't look at the sanitized version of war that that really the first world countries fight these days. Look at what's going on in Eastern Europe. Okay, when you have mass privation and you've got you've got bad things happening, you know, and and systems systems near the front collapsing i mean hell we were looking at we were looking at the entirety of the of the social systems in ukraine collapsing you know at one point people die from that stuff with annoying regularity okay so water treatment and storage big thing and next totally with you guys land navigation skills absolutely 100 percent. if you don't know where you are or where you're going Life's going to get bad, right? Understand how to do that. Uh, these things are these things are great for you know doing what we can with them. And if you've got your if you've got your stuff downloaded onto them, that's great. Okay, but I don't rely on it. I won't rely on it. All right, get those paper maps, get a compass, understand how to use them, and it is a perishable skill. I tell you what, man. Uh, I sat down and I put together a class again. And of course it had been, it had been 15 years since I had actually run a land navigation course. 
man, I'll tell you what, my learning curve was pretty steep putting the class back together again. I was like, oh, God, man, I can't believe I forgot that. Yeah. And, you know, Eric, you know, man, if, if, if between ranger school and sapper school, if you know how to do anything, you know how to navigate when you're done and suffer. So, yeah. <laughs> so I just add, Mike, that uh, for people, they should get those paper maps now. Oh, yeah. uh, we forgot to bring one with us here to Puget Sound, went to a bunch of gas stations, whatnot, couldn't find them anywhere. Thankfully, my brother-in-law had an extra one in his car that he gave us marked up with landmarks and whatnot. But, you know, uh, maps in dead tree format are hard to find. Right, right. So, you know, one thing that I keep in every one of my vehicles is I keep one of the big North American atlases. Same here. And you go into a Loves, go onto the trucker side of Loves and buy yourself one of those great big atlases. Now, um, I will also get an actual small paper copy of the area that I'm going to be working in. But for the, you know, between the routes... Yeah, that trucker's atlas will usually handle virtually everything that you need to handle. But, you know, like you said, you're in a major metro area down there or you're abutting a major metro area. You need a finer quality map, especially one that I can mark up and everything like that. Now, of course, it's not Sears school. So, you know, marking maps is is not completely verboten. So, <laughs> you know what I, you know what I mean there, Eric? You bet. Uh, okay. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, get get those get those maps, get those compasses, break out them ranger beads, and yep. learn your pace count, kids. That's it. Uh, engineering, learn how to build, maintain, and repair. Absolutely. So I had one guy, I had one guy that we were we were discussing things with, and he was completely against this. He was like, "Why do I need to know that if I'm, you know, if I'm a trigger puller, that's my job." Well, and of course, if I meet somebody in the preparedness world and all they want to be is a trigger puller, that's huge red flags as far as I'm concerned, right? That's not good because, you know, I've told you guys before how rarely you're actually going to get into a tick, troops in contact, you know, actually a shootout. Um, so I posed to him, okay, one of these days you're going to get into a shootout. Now, I'm, you know, the question is, you know, why is it that old soldiers, you know, old EOD techs like me get so nervous the, the longer and longer that you, you stay doing these things? Well, because it's just like Vegas, man. You can only roll them dice so many times before you're going to come up snake eyes, okay? So, say you go out running and gunning all the time, and eventually you take a hit, right? Say you get your pelvis wrecked, and you survive that. What other skills do you got to keep yourself, you know, as a benefit to your community other than maybe doing some gunsmithing? Nothing, okay? You better have some other skills. That's a bad place to be. That's a bad place to be. Nobody, nobody should be like that. Was it Heinlein said that specialization is for insects? All right. I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> uh, little Chris, just like you, man, small-scale agriculture. Small-scale agriculture. Do it now. Make all your mistakes now. If you don't make your mistakes now, you're not going to have learned from it. Keeping a seed vault and just saying, oh, I'm just going to grow these things. A buddy of mine has a seed vault. And three quarters of the stuff in that seed vault are not fungus resistant. And we're here in the Tennessee River Valley. 
right? And fungus is our biggest problem here for for all of these things. Three quarters of that stuff will die here in fast order. I'm like, why do you have it? He was like, well, I didn't do any research on it. Then why did you buy it? Like, dude, get the appropriate seeds for the place you're in. Okay. Learn how to grow them. Make all your mistakes now when it's a 75 cent problem. Okay. You can just go down, you can buy another pack of seeds and you can hit the, you can hit the piggly wiggly and, you know, get all the food that you need. Right. Maybe run into Miss Daisy while you're there. Uh, And yes, food preservation, food preservation. It doesn't do you any good to grow five acres worth of crops and butcher out three cattle a year if they just rot. All right. All that is, all that is, is three meals for your community. That's it. And the rest of it's fertilizer. Well, you just wasted a ton of resources. Okay. That's yeah. Food preservation is a thing. Understand how to do your food preservation. Like Chris said, without botulism being an issue. <laughs> botulism sucks. Uh, and the last one, the soft skill communication skills. All right. Communication skills, just like you were saying, you know, if you're a little, little bit of an introvert, things like that, eventually you're going to have to talk to somebody. You're going to have to barter. You're going to have to talk to the next community over. You're going to have to talk to the people in your community to keep them from digging out all the food that you guys have got stored as a community because they want a meal now because human beings are stupid. Okay. And by and large, human beings are stupid. I think we can all agree on that. All right. They want a meal now. And it's like, listen, if you get two meals a day now, that means we make it all the way through to the next crops going. But if you continue, if you continue submitting to your baser instincts and saying, well, I want more now, well, then we're all going to starve before the next crops come in. So, you need to be able to communicate these things. You, you, you've got to learn some communication skills. You've got to learn how to talk. You've got to learn how to barter. You've got to learn how to negotiate. All right. Because all life is a negotiation, period. You've got to have those communication skills. And if you don't have communication skills, you don't have a whole heck of a lot of anything now, do you? So well said. That's that's pretty much my list. And uh, the only the only honorable mention that I've got on there is going back to the canine training that uh that that big chris tossed out there uh early on um if if you want to you want to see some cool canine training look at the people from fortress canine they've got a really really awesome methodology it's not it's not bite and hold like uh uh like a lot of uh canine training programs are law enforcement and stuff they actually they actually train the dogs for bite and fight so you start swinging on the dog the dog's gonna let go of that messed up arm and go for the good arm now yeah, they, they train your dogs to be smarter, not harder. So, yeah, just an option. That's my stuff, guys. Right on. No, it's great, Mike. Yeah, I think Weird. that's it a, was. It no, wasn't out it, there. It wasn't. It was all like in line with us. That's crazy. That's like a first here on the show, I think. But I think it's a really good point is, you know, if you do have a dog, thinking that they know what to do without having trained them is a pretty big mistake. I mean, you look at you know, like military dogs, police dogs, they've gone through years of training to know how to do that. And if you think that your puppers is just going to be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a military dog now. No, it, he or she is not going to do that. Uh, I mean, so getting, Chihuahua. 
well, maybe they come out of the, you know, in this world knowing how to, you know, rip throats out. But uh, <laughs> besides having a chihuahua, uh, you know, if you don't have that type of dog, uh, getting that training is so incredibly important. I want to take a second to make sure we recognize the comment of the week from our last video. And this comment comes from Marcus321Go. Thank you so much, Marcus, for your comment. Really appreciate it. Marcus says that in addition to the classic advice of having a fire extinguisher on every floor, he also recommends having fire blankets. They're inexpensive and a great way to smother little fires without using a fire extinguisher, which can ruin your home or your car. That's absolutely true. And fire blankets are also a great way for escaping a fire. You can put them over your shoulders, uh, you know, put them over your head, just make sure you don't completely cover your head so you just suffocate yourself but uh, a great way to prevent fire damage and burns from yourself if you're escaping a burning building a great piece of advice thank you so much marcus for that and uh, definitely something to add to everyone's fire kit uh guys let us know and down in the comments section what you thought of our top 10 list what did we miss let us know down there and thank you for everybody for coming out today it was really great having you all here as always on survival dispatch news and we'll catch you all on the next one.